Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Manna for breakfast. I'm Bill. Let us press into the word this morning. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us together. And we thank you that we can go through your word every single day and let you speak to us, teach us, and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 18. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on, since you have visited your servant. And they said, So do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly prepare three measures of fine flour needed and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to his servants. And he hurried to prepare it. And he took curds and milk and a calf which he had prepared and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. And they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed herself, saying, after I become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, and Abraham was still standing before the Lord. 
And Abraham came near and said, I, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous in the city. Will you indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing and slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare the whole place on their account. And Abraham said, Now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord, although I am but dust and ashes. Suppose the 50 righteous are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city because of the five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose 40 are found there. And he said, I will not do it on account of the 40. Then he said, Oh, may the Lord not be angry, and I shall speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, Now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it on the account of 20. Then he said, Oh, may the Lord not be angry. Then I shall speak only this once. Suppose 10 are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it on the account of 10. As soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed and Abraham returned to his place. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now, two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom, and Lot saw them. He rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, Now, behold, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet that you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, however, No, but we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered the house and he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men, insomuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand aside. Furthermore, they said, this one came in as an alien, and already he is acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. Then the two men said to Lot, Whom else have you here? A son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in the city. Bring them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. 
Lot went out and spoke to the sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters and said, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he appeared to his son-in-laws to be jesting. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. So the men seized his hand and the hand of the wife and the hands of the two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. When they had brought them outside, one said, Escape for your life, and do not look behind you, and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains, or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, for behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. And you have magnified your loving kindness, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountain, for the disaster will overtake me and I will die. Now behold, this town is near enough to flee to, and it is small. Please let me escape there. Is it not small that my life may be saved? And he said to him, Behold, I will grant you this request also not to overthrow the town to which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there. For I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the town is called Zoar. The sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew in the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now Abraham rose early in the morning and went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the valley. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley. And God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. And he overthrew the cities which Lot lived, in which Lot lived. Verse 30, Lot went up from Zoar and stayed in the mountains and his two daughters with him, and he was afraid to stay in Zoar. And he stayed in a cave, he and his two daughters. And when the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on the earth to come into us after the manner of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine. Let us lie with him, that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine at that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with their father, and he did not know that she lay down. And when she arose... On the following day, the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine also tonight. Then you go and lie with him, that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. They did not know when she lay down. He did not know when she lay down and when she arose. Thus the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the sons of Ammon to this day. Interesting, the comparisons, if you will, between the flood 
and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Very similar things happening here. There was evil on the earth. There was in, uh, complete dedication to all things ungodly. So at the time of the flood of Noah, we have one family, again, under 10, eight people, were the only ones found to be righteous on the earth. And it could be that if there was 10, God wouldn't have destroyed it. I don't know. But there was only only Noah and his family, and man only did what was evil constantly. And, of course, we believe that has a lot to do with the influence of the fallen angels. It has everything to do with them, really, and the contaminated DNA and the giants and this, this mixed hybrid race that had happened. And uh, because they were not fully human, these Nephilim and the offspring, then God destroy, destroyed the earth with a flood. Now, about 400 years have passed. Man has forgotten that lesson. And Genesis 6 said that the Nephilim were on the earth in those days before the flood and after. And it appears, there's good evidence that it appears that the Nephilim then were settling in Sodom. Now, we don't see it recorded as giants there, but there's evidence that their DNA was there, and there was probably giants as well. I mean, they don't, in the Old Testament, make a big deal of that. We know that um, David fought Goliath, and it was just people knew there were certain giants. It wasn't like everybody was a giant, but there were giants. So there was this corrupt, incredibly corrupt uh, culture mixed with some bad DNA, mixed with some very demonic things going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot, for some reason, decides to settle there. And the spiritual lesson is, is that people, believers, often try and settle next to the world because of the pleasures of the world and find it very difficult to live their life righteously before God. Lot was a righteous man. He somehow was able to pull this off. But you can see the effect that it had on his kids and his wife. Maybe Lot was able to pull it off, but not his kids and his wife. And of course, the when the angels go in to destroy it, I mean, we should back up and talk about Abraham and the angels there, probably a theophany in Christ there appearing to Abraham and uh, giving him the promise that Sarah's going to have a child. And so he's living in Hebron. He can see. He's not that far. He's close to Sodom and Gomorrah. He's there looking upon it from the south, looking over um, to Sodom, probably more like to the west. No, sorry. It depends on where Sodom was. We think it was on the southern edge of the Dead Sea. There's some good evidence they found it. But anyway, he's in Hebron, very close, and he can see the city, essentially. Interesting, Melchizedek is up in Jerusalem. Well, not that far either. Um, in between, you have the, the two righteous men. You have this incredibly wicked city. And the, he is promised that he's going to start a nation of righteous people. Well, now God is saying he's going to judge the city where Lot is with all the wicked people. One group is going to be blessed. The other is going to be condemned and destroyed. So the, the, the angels come to destroy the city. They have to pull Lot out of there. He hesitates. He pull, because he's had too much exposure to the world, he's, he's forgotten what it is to be sanctified, to be in the world but not of it. 
And so he's dragging his feet a little bit. They have to pull him out. And of course, we see this horrendous thing of the, the city was so corrupt that it was pretty much just focused on homosexuality and wanting to take these angels to abuse them. And Lot is confused in the fact that he's willing to offer his daughters. Understand that he was, uh, he was, he understood he was entertaining some nobility that was probably divinely connected. I mean, he knew these people were extra special, but this whole thing of offering his daughters is bizarre. But be that as it may, they're pulled out of there by the angels, by the the grace and the mercy of God. But the effect on his family, what happens? (laughs) His wife wasn't as righteous as Lot. She looks back at indicating, we could say maybe she was, you know, Reverend Ecking, like at an accident, you could say maybe she just wanted to see what was going to happen, but the spiritual implication of it is pretty strong. She was looking back because that was where she was used to being. That was her home. And she was kind of at home in that wickedness to some degree. And so because of that, she's turned into a pillar of salt. Because of that, her heart seemed to have been there in Sodom, she is judged along with the Sodomites. She turns a pillar of stone. Now the daughters will think about the culture they lived in, of the immorality that was in that city. Everything was accepted, and it wouldn't even it wasn't even strange for them to think about sleeping with their father. They're thinking of a noble sense to, to continue the lineage, but why could they not wait for God to bring them? more uh, fiancés. Their other fiancés were just killed. Why couldn't they believe that God would bring them other fiancés? Very strange how this all worked out. Bizarre story, but it just shows us we are to be in the world, but not of it. We have to be very careful not pitch our tents next to Sodom. Although sometimes it feels like we're living in it here in PV. Christ and his children Charles Spurgeon, when thou shalt make his soul an offering of sin, he shall see his seed. Isaiah 53.10 Our Lord Jesus has not died in vain. His death was sacrificial. He died as our substitute because death was the penalty for our sins, because his substitution was accepted of God. He has saved those for whom he made his soul a sacrifice. By death he became like the corn of wheat, which bringeth forth much fruit. There must be a succession of children unto Jesus. He is the father of the everlasting age. He shall say, Behold, I and the children whom thou hast given me. A man is honored in his sons, and Jesus hath his quiver full of these arrows of the mighty. A man is represented in his children, and so is the Christ in Christians. In his seed, a man's life seems to be prolonged and extended. And so is the life of Jesus continued in believers. Jesus lives, for he sees his seed. He fixes his eyes on us. He delights in us. He recognizes us as the fruit of his soul travail. Let us be glad that our Lord does not fail to enjoy the result of his dread sacrifice and that he will never cease to feast his eyes upon the harvest of his death. Those eyes which once wept for us are now viewing us with pleasure. Yes, he looks upon those who are looking 
unto him our eyes meet. What a joy this is. I really like the way he ends that. And the whole premise that Jesus died as that grain of wheat, so to produce a harvest of those that would be forever living with him, eternal life, those that would be unaffected by the judgment of God, which Sodom and Gomorrah and the flood all are testimony to. We are supposed to look at those stories and say, if God has done that and seriously judged sin for people who would not repent, why would we not believe that he's not going to do it again when he says he is? And he's given us all the prophecies that he's going to do it again. For those living in absolute rebellion to God and disbelief that he is the one who came to die for us, that we might that he might see a harvest of those who love him and appreciate him. That is the, the most tragic of all sins, the most tragic of all mistakes a person can make. And here we're seeing he has he has no regrets of dying, of going to the cross. Because now he can look upon us of whom he suffered for with joy, with gladness. Well, he's enjoying the fellowship now, but he's, he's waiting for that, ex that expected day, the, the bride coming to the bridegroom, the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's going to be glorious. And so we are not to look back. We are not to think about the pleasures of the world and say, man, I sure a lot better before I got saved because, you know, I could go party and I could get really plastered and I could go sleep with anybody I wanted to. And, and it was kind of fun. And that is going to <laughs> turn you into maybe not a pillar of salt, but it's going to make your heart as hard as stone. And the Bible says that God is going to cut that heart out, that God wants to change out that hard heart for a heart of flesh. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God and see the joy of the kingdom and, and, the, and our Savior and, and enjoy the spiritual life if you're trying to look back. It's just a given. And I don't think any of you are. I don't think any, but there are the people that are in our lives that are new that are oftentimes new believers are experienced the first real struggle in their life. They've gotten over the honeymoon phase and they're facing their first struggle and they're kind of going, hmm, you know, I sh my life's almost worse now. Well, circumstance, maybe, but not, not on the spiritual, certainly not on the, the overriding magnitude in our hearts of what is good and the peace and the, and the acceptance and the forgiveness that we find in Christ. You know, we all look back and go, wow, those were party days. But when we stop and really think about where we are in our hearts, why were we partying? Why were we going out all the time? Because we were empty, sitting around the house, just being alone, made us depressed, made us feel, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? So we went and constantly were filling that hole with all kinds of garbage. We forget that. Once you're a believer, you can sit at home and put on some worship music and just know the Lord's there and just thank Him and, and, and be blessed 
and <laughs> spend time with him. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing to know who you are in Christ. Well, that'll do it for today. We're going to spend some time in prayer. So let's be um, praying one for another. The podcast is now live. You can get it on Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts. If you just type in Mana for Breakfast. And please subscribe. Tell people that helps us out and gets us visibility online when you subscribe. So thank you guys. And let's just close out with a little prayer. Thank the Lord for this day. Father God, thank you for the blessing of coming together for all that you have done and are doing in our lives. And we thank you for the lessons that we learn as we read through this, how you are the God of the impossible, that you come to us in our times when we feel weak and we feel like there is, maybe there is not much we can do to be serving you, nothing we can offer, and yet you can come in the midst of a time when we feel our weakest and say you are going to use us and bless us amazingly as you did with Abraham and Sarah. Thank you. There's never an age limit to serving you. And until we're over 100 years old, we can realize, even much older, that you can always use us and bless others around us. So we thank you for that knowledge, but we also realize the seriousness, God, of living in this world and making sure that we not allow ourselves to be so attracted to it that we don't realize the effect it's having on us and our families, that we're not ready to separate ourselves from it. God, help us learn the lesson of Lot and his family and help us, God, to learn what it is to be sanctified, to learn what it is to be ambassadors for you within the in this world and to be constantly falling at your feet and asking you for your strength and your power so that we can live in this world which is corrupt which is getting worse which is going back to the way it was as we know that as it was in Sodom and Gomorrah so it's going to be in our day before Jesus comes back and so we of all people have a great lesson to learn from Lot and his family let us walk God in righteousness and holiness as we looked into on Sunday on the message in Hebrews Father please let us learn those lessons of maintaining biblical morality as the world now is outlawing it let us stand strong and let you be our strength and our defense and in that Father we pray for those that are struggling in these areas that are new believers that want to stand strong for you and really want to follow you but have some bad habits, a bad experience in their past which are causing them to struggle in immorality. Father, we pray for healing. We pray for biblical guidance and direction. And we pray that they were able, would be now able to repent and take a strong stand and understand that you are their strength and their shield and that you make all things new when we t turn about and repent and make a strong um, stand putting on our arm of God. So bless those that are, are ready to, to renounce those things of the world and take, oh, take off, God, the filthy garments of immorality and unrighteousness and put on your robe of righteousness to just be washed and bathed in your word and your forgiveness and mercy. God, do amazing things in their life this week for we know that there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ if we would simply confess it, turn from it, 
and start walking right with you. And for those that are he need healing, God, we certainly pray that you continue the work that you're doing, often through the clinics and the doctors, often through surgery, and have seen great healing and great um, amazing things that, that this modern med medical uh, science field can do. We thank you for that. And we pray that you would use these new techniques to kill off the cancer and to bring people's hearts back into proper functioning. We pray. So thank you for taking care of pastors and their families as they're often getting under attack physically and spiritually. And uh, God, we just ask you to bless the rest of our days this week that we be able to be a testimony and a light unto those around us. Thank you, Father. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.